Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing be more loving. Amen. Some people are troubling. Just get that out there. Some people are just troubling. Like the people that have already begun Christmas shopping for next year. You people are troubling. You know them. You know who they are. You know if you are one of them. Troubling. The only real way to shop for Christmas is to take on the entire task as late into December as possible. Even a week out from Christmas, I am usually about roughly 0% uh, done with my Christmas shopping. It's not that I put off the shopping as a procrastinator or anything like that. It's just that I really want, you know, I really want to get the perfect gift. I just need all that time to put thought into, into purchasing the perfect gift. I really want to find that gift of, of highest value. For my wife, my kids, something that they'll really, you're not buying it. No. But if the traffic surrounding the Christiana Mall and the ubiquitous cloud of Amazon delivery trucks of two weeks ago were any indication, I'm not the only one. Huh? Some people are troubling. Elijah was troubling. Yes, Elijah was troubling. Not because of his shopping patterns, but he was troubling. Just ask Ahab. Elijah was troubling. Ahab was a king, and as such, he wanted things done his way. Not so much his way, I guess. He wanted things done his wife Jezebel's way. And not so much Jezebel's way, actually. He wanted things done the way that her God wanted. And her God was named Baal. Baal, who was seen as the God of rain. And in an agrarian society, the God of rain is rather important. So when Elijah's, listen, when Elijah's first words in the Bible are to announce an impending drought. He was doing so as a direct affront to Baal, which was a slap in the face to Jezebel, which was a shot across the bow to Ahab. You with me? Elijah was troubling to Ahab. To Jezebel, to the idea of Baal and everyone that figured that upsetting Baal was a bad idea for their harvest. 
which is why Yahweh, God, has him running. Right? He's sent down to the Wadi Cherith during the time of the drought, and it says it's to give him a place to hide from the impending terrors of Ahab and Jezebel. But it was almost, at least to me, it's almost as if God wants to give him a daily reminder of what he is and what Baal is not as the wadi dries up. And maybe also because, maybe also Elijah is sent down to the wadi cherith because Elijah wasn't perfect. Elijah was impulsive and moody. I associate with Elijah quite a lot. There's my daughter Lily is really. You do too, hon. <laughs> the reason I'm bringing this up sometimes in preaching, this is what you do. You put it on yourself, and everybody goes, "Yeah, me too." Right? Elijah's not perfect. He's impulsive. He's moody. And before God's going to use him to do the important work that he has in mind for him, Elijah needs to go someplace and work it out. He needs to work himself out. So he's sent down to the Wadi Cherith to grow a little bit, to grow into himself a little bit. God does that to us. God sets us aside. He takes us out of the game. Not always to fester or feel punished, but to grow. We need to grow. I don't think Elijah was troubling. I think Ahab thought Elijah was troubling. But I do think that Elijah wasn't ready. He needed to go to the Wadi Cherith to grow. He wasn't ready. None of us are ready. As we enter into this month of service, we're calling a service challenge. It's something to keep in mind. We're not ready. We need to grow. Steve Corbett wrote a book called When Helping Hurts, and he suggests until we embrace our mutual brokenness, our work with low-income people is likely to do more harm than good. He says, I sometimes unintentionally reduce poor people to objects that I use to fulfill my own need to accomplish something. I'm not okay and you're not okay, but Jesus can fix us both. It can be tempting to see a need and want to jump right in. I know how to fix this. I know how to fix you. This was Elijah's tact, wasn't it? When he blazed on the scene announcing this drought. But it might be that we need some time at the Wadi Cherith to learn new things about ourselves, the mutuality of our need, a need we share with the others 
that we have perceived to be the least of these. It might be that we need some time at the Wadi Cherith to be patient with our fixing and instead learn the difference between transactional service and transformational mission. Maybe you've heard the old bit of wisdom, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Yeah? We see that phrase play out in our service projects. Many churches have handout mission programs. Give a man a fish. Usually this looks like a mission committee composed of a group of exceptionally good folks deciding who will receive the church's benevolence funds. But the proverb doesn't end there. Teach a man to fish. Feed him for a lifetime. Most churches want to affirm their handout ministry, but also engage members in hands-on outreach and service programs. Teach a man to fish. That is, most want to help members to be active and engaged with programs that help the least of these. Some churches have a healthy menu of local, regional, and international mission programs. People go beyond their dollars and they contribute by serving, delivering, building, and the like. The proverb stops there and has become a commonly accepted way of viewing the world and helping others. But in both the handout and hands-on mission models, the emphasis is on establishing effective and efficient transactional relationships. In the handout model, we ask, how effective is our money being used? And in the hands-on model, we ask, how efficient is the work that we're doing? In these models, we do what we've been trained to do with so much of our lives. We adapt and we tweak our programs in order to make our transactions better. Which is why we need time at the Wadi Cherith. To grow. To add another angle to the adage. Ask a man to fish. Ask him about fish. And you might start a friendship. Have we ever stopped to consider with this proverb, what if the man is allergic to fish? <laughs> we make assumptions about what is best for a person in need without considering the person's full story and humanity. Might it be that our hope to lead the church from a hand-out program past a hands-on ministry and into hand-in-hand -hand relationships that welcome God's mission, God's mission through transformational relationships? 
That is, when we enter into relationships of mutuality, not transaction with others, especially those unlike ourselves, God tends to use that relationship to form a mission field to transform our lives, heal our brokenness, and open our eyes to the beauty around us. We see that kind of relationship being played out with Elijah and the ravens at the Wadi Cherith. The ravens might have been the last creatures that Elijah or anyone else might have picked to meet him in his hunger. Ravens were understood to be unclean in that religious tradition. They were the kind that you stayed away from. Ravens are birds of prey. What they take, they keep for themselves. When Noah sends out a raven from the ark near the end of the flood, you know what he does? You know what the raven does? The raven does not return. So he sends out a dove who comes back with a sprig. The raven was long gone. But these ravens are different. Ah, to be a different kind of raven. These ravens were different. Are you different kind of ravens? Are you a different kind of raven? These ravens fed Elijah. These ravens were handpicked by God. See, that's what connects it all. Whether we're handing out or offering a hand up or working toward engaging in hand-in-hand relationships, we must remember that we are all like the ravens. We're probably not worthy of the task set before us. It might even seem confusing that we would be asked in the first place. It might seem unwise for another to dare to depend on us. But we are handpicked. The value of the gift is that it is handpicked. And we are handpicked. I readily admit that I am not much of a shopper, especially at Christmas time. But I do remember the first pair of sneakers that I actually purchased with my own money. I was 14. They were Reebok. They were, they were white. And they were handpicked at Rennie's, the local department store in Maine. We thought we were fancy. We called it Chez Renee's. <laughs> I cherished those sneakers, though. I carefully took them off every evening, cleaned up the scuffs and the dirty spots, and placed them back in their shoebox in my closet. I valued those shoes. I loved them with all my heart until the day my feet grew too big to fit in them. It can be silly the way that we value our possessions. Like with my sneakers, we can treat them with more care than we do our pets and even those closest to us. I have a few things even now that I hold too tightly, and I wonder if you do too. Benjamin Franklin mused, I conceive that the great part of the miseries of mankind are brought upon them by false estimates they have made of the value of things. Why? Why, for instance, that I value those sneakers so much? Was it because they were the first pair of quote-unquote brand-name sneakers that I'd ever owned? Was it because I purchased them with my own money? 
Was it because unlike any of the other pairs of shoes that I'd ever had, these ones were handpicked? Those were my shoes, and I cherished them because they were my choice. In a similar way, this is how we are valued by God. We are cherished because we are his choice. It's not in our name or our occupation, how successful we are, how good we are. We are his choice. As you begin this brand new year, may you know that you are cherished by the living God. Cherished because you're handpicked by him. And because you know this, may you see how God cherishes all his children, even and maybe especially those that seem the least valuable. And may this vision give you the love and courage to invest in those very things that God deems precious. Come, you who are blessed. Come. You are God's gift to someone. That in itself may seem a bit troubling. God can be troubling sometimes. So take some time here with Elijah and the Wadi Cherith. Grow a bit. Watch the ravens. Will they keep it for themselves, these ravens? Will they lack the will to be different, these ravens? Will they forget and put it off for another day, these ravens? Will they try to judge whether or not Elijah deserves it? Will these ravens be about that? Will they let the hungry down? Day by day, though, they feed Elijah, not because they are perfect but because just like you, just like us, they are handpicked. Amen.